Welcome to another edition of the official Jets podcast powered by Amazon Web Services. Ethan Greenberg, Eric Allen here in the BetMGM studio. We'll be joined by Bart Scott later in the episode for Arvix Tornox, Swiss Army Knife, player of the game segment as the Jets prepare to face the defending Super Bowl champion Kansas City Chiefs. And before we talk anything Jets Chiefs with Bart Scott, it's, it's week eight of the season, which is crazy this to begin with. This season has flown by. It seemed like yesterday that we were here inside the BetMGM studio for the first time doing a training camp live show, and now we're eight weeks into the NFL season, which is just amazing. It really is. But, uh, you know, for the Jets right now, you saw some positive steps uh, previous Sunday against the Buffalo Bills, but mm-hmm. that challenge is – it is – a tall task going to Kansas City anytime, much less now. This is the defending Super Bowl champions, and you're just a team just looking for its first win. And any team, too. I mean, any time, any team going to Kansas City. I believe they allow fans also in Kansas City. I could be wrong on that, but I'm almost positive they do. So there's going to be some form of crowd element there also. Yeah, yeah, you know, you get somewhat of a break that there's not 70,000 people right. in Arrowhead, but this team, you can make the argument that they have the most valuable player in the National Football League, leading that offense of Patrick Mahomes, and he's got so many weapons on the offensive side of the ball, and the defense is playing well as well. So, listen, any team going into Kansas City, it is a tough challenge, and the Jets are going to be up against it. Let's see if they can find a way to get to the fourth quarter and just give yourself a chance. The Jets did that very well against the Buffalo Bills this past Sunday, held the Bills out of the end zone multiple times, including times where you thought, oh, maybe the Bills are finally going to get one, like when Josh Allen hits Tyler Croft down the left sideline, they're in the red zone. The Jets held back-to-back possessions, gave the offense a chance. But one player on defense that I think we should highlight because I think he's played well, maybe a little under the radar over the first seven games, is Quinnen Williams. And he has three sacks so far on the season. And right now, I would say that he's definitely shown progress from that year one to year two jump that you'd like to see from all rookies. Well, first off, he's got to clean up the flags. We know that. And he'd probably be the first one to tell you that. But from an interior position, he's been very solid against the run. And you mentioned the sack totals. This is a guy who continues to press the pocket up the middle. And quarterbacks don't like that. And we often forget that Quinton Williams is just in his second season here. So let's say he gets another sack. Maybe he gets Mahomes down this weekend. And you're hoping that happens if you're a Jets fan. But if you're getting an interior rusher who has eight sacks, who's very good against the run, who's often drawing double teams, that's what you were looking for when you drafted Quinton Williams the previous April. So I think signs – Uh, arrows are pointed up with this guy. I like his motor. He's got unique athletic ability. We always talk about how low to the ground he is built, and he's explosive off the ball. And I would say he's got a really quick first step also, that you've seen him burst through the line a couple times. He had two sacks against the Niners in Week 2. He had one yesterday against the Bills. 
And I think that Quinn and Williams is a player. You mentioned the sack total. If he were to get eight sacks, let's say, right? Yeah. Just to put things into perspective. It's possible. Let's just say that right now. He's got three sacks through seven games. That is quite possible that he can end up the year finishing with that kind of sack total. Right. So with that in mind, if he were to finish with eight sacks, eight sacks is what Jordan Jenkins led the Jets with last season. So to get that kind of production from up the middle is very impressive. And there's another very impressive defensive tackle the Jets will see this weekend, Chris Jones, mm. who has four and a half sacks, which is crazy to think from an interior position. But He's a great player. Quinton Williams, you know, one and a half sacks back through seven games, not too shabby. No, uh, Jones is a great player, so the Jets' offensive line is going to have to uh, – take care of him I don't know how many times you can go single against him you're going to have to double him a lot but uh, what Williams is going to be able to do it, it's going to take the pressure off the outside guys because if you have somebody you have to account for in the middle then those guys on the outside they just got to win their one-on-one -on -one matchups and the other guy who's been Pretty good, I think, for the Jets. And another name under the radar is John Franklin Myers. He came up with the fumble recovery uh, when Terrell Basham got the corner on, I believe, right tackle Darrell Williams of the Buffalo Bills. He knocked the ball out of Josh Allen's hands. And uh, Franklin Myers was right there. He comes up with the fumble recovery. But those are two guys who I think have been bringing it, up, bringing it on the interior. The question for the Jets over the years has always been, who's the guy threatening you on mm -hmm. the outside. So it's, it's good to see Bash getting them in the backfield. And he's made some plays the last couple weeks now. Terrell Basham, two sacks in as many weeks. He had one against the Bills, forced fumble. He had one against the Dolphins, his first of the 2020 season. And when you look at this Jets roster, we talked about guys throughout the season like Joe Flacco and Frank Gore, who are obviously – in the latter halves or third, or they're close to the end of their careers, right, respectively. So you would assume. I'm not going to put that out there. I realize, as I said, well, Gore's, Gore's the kind of guy you wouldn't be surprised if he was playing 50. Uh, 50. Right. <laughs> but with knowing those two guys are old for NFL years, right, we've talked about them a lot, but the Jets have a lot of young players throughout the roster that I think have been at least somewhat productive for the team when their number's called. I mean, the first guy that comes to mind when I said that is like Jeff Smith in week four comes off of IR he immediately has a good game and then against the Bills Denzel Mims comes off of IR Saturday and he has 40 yards in the first half granted you'd like to see more from Denzel Mims in the second half and the offense as a total I mean totaling four yards in the second half you got to be better than that but I think that you liked what you saw out of Mims, at least in his first NFL action. Can I go back to the defensive side of the ball real quick? I got to give props to Bryce Huff, undrafted free agent yes, out of Memphis, yes. who had his first career sack against the Miami Dolphins. And then Sunday, the Bills were running Isaiah McKenzie across the line of scrimmage, and the aforementioned Tyler Croft was coming over to block Huff, and Huff read that out, snuffed it from the get, and got him down, McKenzie down in the backfield. That was a veteran-type play. So he's a guy who we have to continue to watch because sack against Miami, a big play in the defense, uh, in the offensive backfield. So what is his right. next steps? But on the offensive side of the ball, well, I, I, I just want to say one thing about Huff is you would assume he'd get more playing time, right, with Kyle Phillips now out for the season with the ankle injury. And that's another young player 
that was an undrafted free agent in 2019. He led the team in tackles for loss, and then he started 2020 pretty well, and then he gets hurt, and then... Tough break, yeah. And then Bryce Huff, to your point, you would assume he might be in the mix to receive more snaps. And another guy I think we're going to talk about this on practice today this week is that Jabari Zaninga, another member of that 2020 draft class. So Steve McClendon in Tampa now, Quinn and Williams, we're we're seeing... um, him develop in front of our eyes he always had the natural raw athletic ability I think that he was slowed by injury last year but uh, Quinnen is a guy who he's flashing John Franklin Myers is a guy you picked up off of waivers from the Rams he's showing his talent Bryce Huff starting to come on um, and then uh, Jabari Zeninga is a guy the Jets really liked they drafted in the fourth round out of Florida an explosive player who is not an edge, but he's a defensive lineman, so how is he going to work into the rotation as well? And then the other defensive player to think about is the other Bryce, is Bryce Hall, because he's in that designated-to-practice window now off of the non-football injury list. And if he's, let's say he's on the same Bless Austin path, which is you get activated after Week 10, maybe you get your feet wet depending on the situation and the numbers at corner, I think that's another guy that, when the Jets drafted Bryce Hall, a lot of fans and a lot of pundits were thinking, well, that could be a guy down the road because he dealt with that pretty brutal ankle-leg injury yeah. at Virginia. But that's, this was a guy that led the nation in pass defenses the year before he got hurt. He can find a football, and the Jets knew it was going to be a slow process with him when they drafted him. But like you said, hopefully he can get on the field here quickly because I'm sure – if he can get up to speed on the practice field. And I, I wonder if he has a similar path to a Denzel Mims, meaning scout team first, For and sure. then get some team reps and let's see what you have. But his ball skills, he is a natural in terms of finding the football. And you mentioned what a productive season he had at Virginia's last healthy year in college. So he is a guy uh, who you'd like to see out there on the field in the back half of the season. But Sorry to get us off track. Uh, that's okay. That's how Mims. You when know, it rains, it pours. You know, it's like a snowball that turns into the avalanche. Uh, how about Mims? Uh, he saw a lot of Tredavious White. Tredavious White is a top five corner in the league, maybe top three corner in the NFL. He had those four receptions, a couple crossing routes. I really thought one of his most impressive plays was taking care of Tredavious White yeah. in the end zone on LaMichael P. Ryan's first Touchdown in the National Football League. Everybody talks about Mims being explosive, in and out of his routes, big guy, good catch radius. Um, So he performed well in game one. Yeah, I think what stood out to me was what Mims said after the game. I interviewed him after the game from MetLife Stadium as I was up in my suite, and he was outside waiting to go home. But Denzel Mims said, you know, I know I can do a lot more and I can do a lot better in the future. So I said, well, what do you mean by that? And he says, well, my blocking, first off. He he said that blocking gets him going, like mentally and and involved in the game. And I know that all NFL fans want to see the 4-3-8 guy just like catch and run and just take one 70 yards and show off the burners. But Denzel Mims takes pride in his blocking, and I think that the LaMichael Pirine touchdown is a great example of that. And I think that speaks to who Denzel Mims is as a guy. I think he's a little tougher than maybe you would think because receivers kind of get that diva label 
maybe unjustly. Well, yeah, you go back to Baylor. You know this. You did a lot of work on the previous draft here. Is that they used to talk about the way he approached practice every day, and he loves being part of the run game. So, mm-hmm. but Anthony Beck said it after your interview, by the way, on Jets oh, overtime. Boy. I didn't hear it. He so said, to me. "Hey, listen, that's great that the receiver wants to be a blocker, but uh, we need him catching touchdown passes <laughs> and catching passes down the field." <laughs> and Denzel Mims, to be fair, at college was the only NCAA receiver with at least eight touchdown catches, catches in at least three seasons and three consecutive three seasons. and three consecutive seasons. So yeah, he he got it done inside the red zone, and he was asked to run a lot of vertical routes mm-hmm. at Baylor. Um, but the Jets said early on he picked up the route tree, and he can do a lot of different things. So uh, he's a guy who you wouldn't anticipate is going to continue to get better, and you love who he's being coached up by. Not only Sean Jefferson, but you got Heinz Ward in there as well. Of course, <laughs> and Heinz Ward was very much known for his blocking, so I'm sure he'll pick up a thing or two learning from him in terms of the rest of the receiving core you mentioned Jeff Smith I mean you, you got to hope that Prashad Perriman is healthy because we'll see what the deal is with Jameson Crowder but you're hoping for this upcoming week and the rest of the season your receiving core is Perriman Mims and Crowder and the- yesterday the Jets had two out of the three Braxton Berrios was starting in place of Crowder how about the third and 20 yeah, where Sam Darnold uh, threw one of one of his most impressive passes of his three-year career, gets Berrios in a crazy window for 22 yards, and that was a great example uh, what Sam can do from the pocket because I know a lot of times we talk about his improvisation skills and what he can do when a play breaks down, but here he is on the money in a, a tough situation, third and 20, and he finds burials. But you're right, Greens. You're talking about the Jets, and Adam Gase referred to him as three dudes. The three <laughs> dudes. The three dudes have yet to play together. Yeah. And we're at the NFL midway point. So uh, Jameson Crowder not in the lineup when Denzel Mims back. And then Brashad Perryman, he took that Big pop at the sideline. I think that was um, Jordan was, Poyer, yeah. right? It was either Poyer or Hyde. Yeah. I think it was Micah Hyde. It was Hyde. Okay, so uh, I don't remember who the safety was. It was one of those bang-bang plays where, damn, he really took a shot on the sideline. Yeah. So concussion protocol. So we'll have to hope for the best with him. Again, we talked about the speed at the receiver position. But uh, work in progress because – uh, Mims gets out there for the first time. Now uh, Perryman's dealing with an injury. And every time Crowder's been on the field, he's been productive. Berrios has done some nice things in uh, filling in for him. But uh, the Jets, I thought, offensively, great plan early, and they moved the football. They were in good rhythm. And what I liked is the offensive line was blowing mm-hmm. the Bills defenders off the ball early. Yeah, I think the Jets – it's really a tale of two halves for the Jets' offense. Yeah. I mean, 186 of the team's total yards came in the first half. And you saw the offense start to put things together. And you hope that the offense can take whatever happened in that first half and they can apply it to four quarters worth of football throughout the course of the season. And on a positive note, Michael Pirine's stats aren't eye-popping. No. But he did get his first career touchdown. Yeah, and we talked about the run and he – it's like a stretch, and he showed his explosion there because I don't know if a lot of the guys 
would have been able to get to the edge. And the Jets have talked about him being a home run hitter. No, that was not a long gain per se, but he got to the corner where nobody could get to him. No Bills defender could get to him, so he showed his speed there. And he did have a 20-yard run Mm -hmm. in the first half, blocked up well, and he hit it. And that's the explosion he can bring to the table, or that's this big playability. Because I know we're always thinking in terms of, hey, chunk plays come in the passing game. Well, you can get chunk plays in the run game as well. And LaMichael Piran, I think, did a really nice job of getting skinny and extending the ball over the pylon. From my vantage point, I was about the 30 or 40-yard line, and the Jets were going to the opposite direction, like to my left. And you almost like, is he going to get it? I don't know. And then it almost looked like he ran out of bounds. And then he did a very nice job of jumping and extending. He certainly did. And that was like a veteran move right there, getting it over the pylon and getting it to the end zone. And the Jets had a 10-0 lead. And this was the first time in a long time since week four against the Broncos where the green and white gave themselves a Mm -hmm. chance to win in the fourth quarter. And it's small steps right now. And I know fans – are unhappy and everybody inside the building is unhappy with the Jets record. There's no doubt about that, but you do have to take things in play by play, watch them back, correct the mistakes. And the Jets gave themselves a chance to win. It'd be really something if they gave themselves a chance to win against the Chiefs because they just faced a Buffalo team that was scuffling the last couple of weeks. And I still think they're feeling their own way. Right. Defensively, you saw the Bills take that game over in the second half with a lot of their pressure packages. And I thought Sam Darnold was right. They made adjustments. Now what are we going to do as far as making adjustments as well to counter those adjustments? So I like defensively that third down were great again. Mm -hmm. Uh, The Bills were 3 of 11. That comes on the heels of a game against the Miami Dolphins when Miami was just 1 of 9. So you're getting off the field on third down. 0-5 in the red zone. I guess the other point of that is the Bills controlled the ball throughout that game after the first quarter. Yeah, it was very odd because the Bills, all their 18 points came off field goals, but they also didn't punt. So it's the epitome of bend (laughs) but don't break. If you give up 18, you're going to have a chance to win every week in the NFL. That's right. Uh, I mean, but you're going to Kansas City and shoot. Most teams, if you're playing Kansas City, you probably got to score in the high 20s at a very yeah, yeah. At, at the ultimate minimum, right? For, uh, uh, yeah. you, you saw the Bills in Monday Night Football where they said, we're going to play small ball, we're going to keep everything in front of us, and they just gashed them on the ground. Yeah, it, the, the it's like your poison against Kansas City. It is. It is. It's almost like when you when you talk to Coach Gase on the Adam Gase show about DeAndre Hopkins, you're like, you almost – you almost know that he's going to get his, but how much can you contain him? It's like the same thing for the offense, though, of the Chiefs, right? It's like you know they're going to do something somehow, but how how do you want to defend? Do you want to make do you want it to be Clyde Edwards-Alaire, or do you want it to be Patrick Mahomes and Tyreek Hill and Travis Kelsey and all those guys? I, I think you got to take the hand, uh, take the ball out of his hands. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, I, I know the Bills got crushed for it because they got just they got ripped apart on the ground. But they did have a chance to win in the fourth quarter. Yep. 
You know, if Tyreek Hill is going over your head, that scoreboard's going to be lighting up like the Fourth of July. <laughs> yeah, I, and they I, have a I great they have a great pass catching tight end too, and Kelsey and Hardman. It's tremendous speed, and you know, it's just and Andy Reid's play calling is tremendous. Yes, and speaking of the Kansas City Chiefs, let's check in with Bart Scott for our Victorinox. Swiss Army Knife Player of the Game segment. Bart, the Jets face the Chiefs in Kansas City. I'm sure you could go in a number of different directions, but who is your player or what is your matchup to watch Sunday? I mean, for me, it's always Makai Becton because he's such a dominant player. He's the most dominant player, I believe, on the Jets. Um, him matching up against maybe Frank Clark or whoever they decide to go over there is going to be a, a show because now they, I think that they can believe that and confirm what they, what they always believe that this guy was one of the best to have the potential to be a Hall of Fame player, and they're going to put the pressure on him. He can take the pressure, and he's only getting better. I love the the TE that they had with the receiver and him pulling around and, you know, watching everybody that was on the train tracks, you know, make a business decision. And you got to lean to him, not only in the run game, but also in the passing game, giving everybody else help because you're starting to get a lot of interior pressure. So you can turn the protection, which makes it hard to blitz in the middle, but it leaves – Beckton on an island, I think he's ready to have Beckton Island, you know, put him up there with some of the other <laughs> greats. Yeah, seriously, to put him up there with some of the other greats that were able to have islands, and we know we, who I'm talking about is Darrell Revis. Hey, I got Revis Island here. I got Madbacker Island over here, and good minds think alike. I can't believe you're aligned with me today i'm taking makai Beckton versus frank clark frank clark can get after the quarterback he's got three sacks so far this year and i think for the jets to stay in this ball game bart they got to possess the ball let's see if they can get that run game going i thought the game plan was very good early against the buffalo bills frank gore got on track and so did lamichael Pirine. and the big ticket is he is called Makai Becton getting out to the second level. I want to see that. I don't want to see Tyran Matthew coming up with interceptions and being such a menace uh, for Jets quarterbacks. I want to see him maybe matched up with Makai Becton a time or two. You know, you can do that. All you have to do is force, force him to step up and re, uh, step and replace, crack replace, because if you take his guy and block a big, because we have the big receivers in Mims and you have the big receiver in Perriman. Let's see if he's going to be available. But if he comes down and he hits a defensive end or he hits a linebacker, then that forces the edge supporter to come up and have to, you know, the force defender to come up and have to set the edge. And, um, you know, we'll see if he can set the edge against, you know, against Beckton. And if he decides, you know, the thing about Beckton being so big, if you decide to cut him, he can just fall on top of you, which is uh, a reverse pancake. And if, it, if not, you stay on the train tracks. He can hurt your feelings because you think, you know, Derrick Henry has a stiff arm. He has a, a six-inch punch, you know, rival by Bruce Lee. <laughs> <laughs> you know, you guys are talking about Makai Becton. I feel like I have to mention Patrick Mahomes here. And this Jets defense going to be facing Patrick Mahomes. But it's not just Patrick Mahomes. It's Tyreek Hill. It's me, Cole Hardman, Sammy Watkins, Demarcus Robinson, Travis Kelsey, Clyde Edwards-Alaire in the backfield. So, for me, it's how is this Left Jets defense? Did you purposely leave one out? Well, Maybe I'm he, he hasn't been there a while. I feel like he needs a couple games to get to get acclimated to the offense. He only had 30-some yards in his debut, but I understand the point. But he, here's my thing, Bart. If you're the Jets' defense, if you're Greg Williams, it's almost like a pick-your-poison 
type of matchup for this defense. So if I were to hand you the keys to the playbook, Bart, how do you defend this Chiefs offense and in particular Patrick Mahomes? You have to understand, one, you have to keep Mahomes within the pocket. You know, he actually is more accurate outside the pocket than he is in the pocket. And what you want to make sure that you do is you make sure that you double everybody, you keep two high safeties, and you say if you're going to beat us, it's going to be because you run for 300 yards. And um, you hope that those running backs, you know, get tired and pull a hamstring for all the yards you're giving up, <laughs> opposed to letting Mahomes kill you with one one play strikes. You make, you know, Clyde Edwards-Alaire, you know, make sure that he holds on to the ball. You make sure when you get there, you get there angry, and you make sure that you, you send him a message. But, you know, it's like dying a slow death opposed to dying a fast one. And you hope that during that process, you know, somebody jumps off sides. Somebody has a holding call. You force them to have to block you. And then hopefully they get behind the sticks. And then that's when you can you can get punts. And, you know, we've seen that we've seen, you know, the the we've seen the the strategy of what teams have tried to do. We've seen the Chargers and what they was able to do and accomplish with Herbert getting his first start, make sure they just attack him with four people. Because if you blitz him, he's going to make you pay for the blitz because you're going to have one on one with so many guys that can run fast. And in, in the, the the natural instinct for the corners is going to be able to play off and give a cushion. Well, Mahomes has learned how to give you death by a thousand paper cuts because he'll throw that 10 yard, 15 yard comeback until you dare to come up there. Then that's when he's going to try to go over your head. You got to stay disciplined and stick with the game plan, no matter if he has success or not. I think you're exactly right. You got to make the Chiefs kick field goals if possible. The Jets have been better defensively on third down the last couple of weeks. The Dolphins one and nine, the Bills three of 11. And last week they were great in the red zone. Buffalo 0 of 5. Kansas City mm-hmm. is a completely different animal. Bart, just wanted to ask you real quickly on the other side of the ball. We both put Mackay Becton under the spotlight, but what do the Jets do against the pressure that teams are going to continue to throw against them like the Bills did in the second half where they got their safeties involved, the defensive backs blitzing, and the Jets weren't able to get anything going offensively? You know, you know, you know that Tyron Matthews is going to be coming off the edge, and they've been giving up, you know, defensive backs coming off the edge. They've been, you know, really, you know, being able to have success with that. So, like I said, the hardest thing to do is to do, do turn protection, where you put the, you know, the you put the running back on the same side as Beckton, and he's there to get all the leakage, but you're expecting it not to be a lot of leakage because Beckton's that way. And you slide and you turn the protection. When you turn the protection instead of people facing forward, they face slightly this way. So as somebody's coming, they can just ear hole them and knock them off their face. And if they got to squeeze through a hole, if everybody's turned like a fence this way and you stack it up and it's the hardest defense to get through, usually to beat turn protection, you have to try and loop all the way around to the opposite side in between Beckton because it's going to become a natural hole. But that's a hole almost like punt, punt. Um, it's almost like punt um, protection where you see the, the, the personal protector off to a side and everybody else slides and him and, and Beckton will be on the backside. That way it allows you know you to be able to see everything coming and nothing can get through the middle. It has to come you know, it has to come from the outside. They have to find the short side. The short side is going to be Makai Beckton's side. And you hope that he can hold up better than trying to ask those individuals in the middle, center, guard, and guard to hold up. All right, that was another edition of the official Jets podcast presented by AWS. And that was another segment of the Victorinox Swiss Army Knife Player of the Game segment, Jets Chiefs Week 8 in Kansas City. We'll see you next week on the official Jets podcast powered by AWS.